What are we talking about? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I have, oh my God, guys, we need to talk. I know what we need to talk about. Oh my God, we need to talk about something. Are you recording? Oh yeah, I'm recording. Race, religion, politics. Go for it. I think that's something that's always been a problem when homosexuality is represented, it's often white people that they use. If you stay within that bubble and you're just around people who have the same views as you, you're not going to grow or learn anything and these divides in society are just going to come even deeper and even more entrenched. Whenever we start a podcast, we go, hi! Because <laughs> it's easy to put a hashtag or share a post, but the difficult part comes when you need to have tough conversations, one-to-one, face-to-face. So I think it's really cool that like they're really challenging the stereotypes around what it means to be different kinds of minorities. Everybody, I'm Sarah and I'm in Athens, Greece. Hi, my name's Lola and I'm Grace, and you are listening to No Shade. Hello, and welcome back to No Shade. Beyond bears and vodka, Russia has a surprisingly long history of African, Black, and Hispanic people settling there, many of whom use the symbols of the supposed anti racism of the Soviet Union. However, this most definitely doesn't mean that life for Black people in Russia is all blue as a jam. This week, we're joined by our good friend Amina to discuss what it means to grow up as a black Russian. Enjoy. Hi. Hey. How are you guys? Nice to hear your voices. Aww. (laughs) Nice to hear you too. Nice to hear you too, Lola. (laughs) I'm excited you finally get to be on the podcast, Amina, finally. Yeah, I'm super excited. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> she was nervous, but now she has a gin and tonic, so I don't think oh, she's yeah. nervous anymore. <laughs> don't be nervous. It's just going to be like all the conversations we have anyway, like except over Skype. So it's cool. Um, we are currently minus Sarah because she's um, stuck in Athens traffic, but. We do have the addition of my soon-to-be ex-flatmate, Amina. Aww. <laughs> so we thought we would invite Amina on to No Shade because she's, she's okay. She's pretty cool. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just have, yeah, a little chat. Um, so, Amina, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Amina. Um, I was born and grew up in Moscow. My father is from Nigeria and my mom is from Tuva. It's uh, in Siberia. It's part of Russia, but another republic with different cultures. And so, um, and yeah. it's supposed to be very beautiful. Yeah. Tuva. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so, Amina, today we wanted to chat to you a little bit about your life and your experiences, that kind of thing. And I just wanted to ask you, because we spoke... We were talking about your experiences being a black woman in Russia, because I think you just come back from New York, hadn't you? Yeah. And you were talking about the different experiences you have in New York and in the States compared to Russia and Nigeria. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Where do I start? Yeah, where do you uh, start? <laughs> <laughs> when, when you got back from New York, that was the first time you'd been there in a while, right? Yeah, in a year. And... What sort of things did you notice when you were back in the States that are different to when you're living in Moscow? 
Uh, what I've noticed uh, in states uh, after spending there, I think four months, like living there, it's uh, before I had an idea. While growing up in Moscow, I thought that, and everyone says it, that Russia is pretty racist. And I, for some reason, for a long time, had an idea that U.S. is not racist or not that racist. But then, after living there for for a while, I've noticed that it's uh, it is racist, <laughs> but it's a different kind of racism. It's just more, how would I say? Okay, just just different. And uh, yeah. What do you think the perception of black people is? Like, how is that different in Russia and in America for you in your experience? The first thing I'm, I'm used to being looked at here, and uh, I think yeah, for some people it might be weird, but here people like stare. Even like if you're different in any way, black, I don't know, Asian, uh, disabled person, <laughs> you still be looked at, and uh, I don't know, but it's not in. In a bad way, I would say, or maybe I'm just used to it. I, what was the question? I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> no, no worries. The perception, because obviously you just said like both countries have racism, however they're different. And I was wondering, like in Russia, how do you think the average person, Russian person, views black people compared to in America? How do you think they view black people in America? An example for in states, I've been uh, I would I would be in a store and someone will just talk to me and assume that I'm um, like the shop assistant. Yes, yeah. working there, and it it happens so many times, and it has I think it has never happened. And then I was like, oh, because maybe lots of black people working as I don't know, guys as a, as a security, and maybe but so I don't know. I've never had this in Russia. I kind of get what you're talking about because when I was in Russia, like whenever I would meet anyone or whenever I'd be speaking to a taxi driver or a stranger, they would automatically assume that I was at the university. And they would always be like, yes, because we have all the African students come here because our education is really good. They were at the university. So I find that in Moscow specifically, because I can't speak for anywhere else, there's this idea of African people being university students. Of course, there's a lot of people who aren't, and there is like a very a lot a darker side to the presence of African people in Moscow as well as you know you know Grace from the charity work you do. But quite often, people like assume you're in the university, whereas I think in the Western world, the perception of Black people can at times be negative when it comes to education and social status more so than it was there like nobody would have been surprised if you're a university student in Russia whereas I think sometimes in and this could totally just be like my perception and could be completely false but quite often in the media anyway when a black person's at university it seems this very exceptional thing that's very surprising and like this huge deal I don't know if that's like something you felt as in maybe that's why everyone assumed that you were a shop assistant because there's this idea that black people only really do lower level jobs. Not there's anything wrong being a shop assistant, but... Yeah. Um, and here, like all this uh, perception of you as a student, it comes from, from the Soviet times that 
during Soviet times, there were like lots of lots of African students, especially from from the countries, from the socialist con- countries like Angola, but like, mm-hmm. but uh, still in Latin America. So I've never thought of it actually. So, a uh, black person here, uh, they think of them as at least educated and kind of intelligent that they came here to study yeah i was wondering this is one of the questions that i really wanted to ask you obviously we've talked a bit and you know i know a bit about your history and your past a little bit and how you spent a year in nigeria you said yeah in total a year and a half a year and a half in nigeria so do you think like now as kind of adult woman and having lived in Nigeria that your sense of identity has changed since being like a little girl growing up mixed race in Russia and how you see yourself has changed from that experience oh sure 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 I think like the fact that I've I've lived in Nigeria even not for that long it's like it's the most important thing that happened really that happened to me. I'm really grateful that I, I've been there, that I've lived there and spent time with my relatives, got to know the culture uh, because, yeah, like I have lots of uh, friends from mixed families and what I've noticed, some of them, like my, my, my parents were um, married and uh, my, my dad left when I was five. So I remember him and uh, like, yeah, we we lived together as a family. But some, of course, like it happens, uh, some fathers left or maybe some of them, some of the children, they've never knew their father. And they grew up thinking and feeling Russian and maybe in a way, not like, not, how would I say, they maybe don't feel African and maybe they don't like it about themselves and maybe it's because like if the father left so their mom would be pissed with them and would you know just say bad things or I don't know uh, <laughs> so they would grow they would grow up and feel Russian and uh, but you don't you don't look Russian then there are so many things that I've found out about myself kind of like I would see some similarities to my relatives and it would be like oh that uh, with the culture maybe and i felt connected to the to nigeria and i i get the the culture and i understand people so naturally because like i mean uh, some things probably for me are more easy to understand than to others maybe other you, you would just feel like oh yeah that, that's my people and um so yeah i feel more connected to africa and nigeria and um uh, yeah, I am proud to be in a Nigerian half of Nigerian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah, it's 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 very important. So I wish that for all the the children from mixed families to to visit their like other motherland. Yeah, <laughs> other motherland. Yes, and I suppose that's the thing. It's like a perception inside Russia, but actually also that non-Russians have of Russia that Russian people are one kind of thing they are all white they're all blonde you don't have people from other countries which i think people in russia often have this this sense but people from outside the russia as well i've noticed that whenever i've introduced people to you my international friends they always Mm -hmm. assume that you're from from somewhere else they never assume that you're from here so i suppose you're you are you're having to assert your identity as a Nigerian and a Russian person all the time because like people are kind of questioning who you are and where you're from pretty much every time you meet a 
I suppose going to Nigeria, that was probably something else, a similar, that was a similar experience, being a Russian in Nigeria, who's also Nigerian, like it's another side of that, of your identity that you have to examine. Yeah, sure. In Nigeria, I would assume I am, that I'm from East Africa, or like I'm a Fulani, it is a tribe. um... I thought you were Fulani when I first met you, actually. I know, I know, yeah. We can take a moment to say hello to Sarah, who has made it to the conversation. Hey, Hey, Sarah. Hi, guys. Hi. Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt. It sounded all very interesting. So I was just listening in. (laughs) Okay. Oh, yeah. Hi. (laughs) Nice to hear. (laughs) Sarah and Amina met when Sarah came to Moscow for the first time last July. Yes. That was that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we all know each other. I'm glad you're here, sir, because I have, like, questions for both you and Amina. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I guess you both have somewhat similar, like, upbringings, I guess, because you both have lived in very predominantly white countries. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I've grown up in London, which is super multicultural, so I grew up seeing people who look like me a lot. Whereas you guys haven't as much. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, growing up, did you ever feel that because you were black, you had to behave or act a certain way to be black, if that makes sense? Uh, yes and no, because I think Greece, I don't know if it's the same in Russia, but in Greece it's different. Like, there are no black people whatsoever. So literally, I'm the only one. It's not like other countries where like America or England where because there are black people maybe there are black people in general in the UK so let's say if you live like in the north or somewhere like in the suburbs and there are no black people um, you uh, people in Britain are still exposed to black people and black culture or else in Greece there's none of that so I never felt like I had to be a specific like I had to prove myself because literally there were no black people there wasn't like a stereotype I was trying to break or like some sort of like expectation I was trying to meet so I, I could be myself if I wanted to I didn't feel a pressure oh my god I have to be black I felt a pre- I felt the pressure in general because I was an immigrant but it wasn't like specific to to my skin color again because there were no black people there were no st- there were no stereotypes whatsoever that I felt like I had to break that were only specific to black people. Maybe there were stereotypes for immigrants, but none um, regarding black people. What about you, Amina? Um, Could you... I didn't really get your question. Like, prove to be black? Like, how? Like, did you feel like you had to fit a certain stereotype or to break a certain stereotype? Um, For example, I know for myself, Mm -hmm. probably the opposite of Sarah, because I grew up and when I was much younger anyway, I grew up around a lot of black people because I grew up in South London, then I moved to East London. And in my school, there were loads of like people from Caribbean heritage, African heritage. And even today, to be honest, what it means to be black is very specific Mm-hmm. And if you don't like things or you don't act a specific way, you're seen as acting white. So there was always that weird thing for me where you kind of don't want to be a stereotype, but at the same time you want to fit in with people and you don't want to seem like you're rejecting 
blackness or whatever that means. Um, was your experience more similar to Sarah's where there wasn't this kind of pressure to be anything in terms of being black anyway? Or did you feel like you had to act a certain way? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I understand now. Um, no, I would say no. I've never had to act um, in a specific way because I think, yeah, as well here, there are not really, there are like no stereotypes. Um, I remember one thing uh, in New York that happened in New York. I was in the subway with my friend. Uh, she's, uh, she's from London. And some homeless guy. <laughs> can can you like swear here? Like say yeah, you can. <laughs> it's not the news. You're fine. Yeah, I don't remember when we were like getting, I don't know, buying a metro card or whatever. So we were there. I don't know maybe just talking, and she has this London like like you Lola accent. Um, very is it posh. What? But yeah, like she's. <laughs> basically like, like you. <laughs> you your posh accent <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and uh, he was just mumbling something. mumbling yeah. yeah and then what I heard <laughs> it was super funny to me acting like a goddamn white bitch <laughs> again to states i don't know whether it was the way i dressed but yeah no in new york like people dress like anyone can put on anything but maybe it's the fact that i was with with her and i don't know but it was super funny to me i was <laughs> and she was so offended like what uh, yeah i was also like shocked but i didn't quite get what exactly he was uh he, he meant, meant, meant but yeah probably something <laughs> that maybe just the, that I was with a white uh, friend and he but yeah that was super funny to me and in states they probably think I am from from states and I am I'm not <laughs> uh, at all and uh, maybe I behave in a different way have have uh, any of you like Lola or um, Sarah have you been to states uh, um, no, I, ha I wasn't, but I just came back from Kenya like two days ago. And it's funny because in Kenya, I, a lot of people were saying that I'm, I act white. I get that here. I've always had that here. Like, people say that and it's so weird. Everyone. They were saying, like, you're a black woman, you know, like, a lot of people told me, yeah, you're, you're, not, you're, not, you're not black, you act white, you're a white person in a, in a black woman's body. Oh. And... It, it's crazy because obviously they're mean <laughs> yeah yeah they're mean but again I, I didn't care and it's funny because they were kind of saying it like a, a compliment oh really that's the that's the offensive part but in Kenya it wasn't even the fact that I was uh, I was acting white it's just in their head because they only have certain stereotypes of how black people are supposed to act so if I was black British they wouldn't be saying that because again they're exposed to black British culture, if it was African American, they wouldn't be saying that. If I was Caribbean, they wouldn't have been saying that. But to them, those are the only, in their minds, they have this idea that black people are supposed to be a certain way. But obviously, there isn't because I'm still a black person. I still go through, like, maybe not all of, all of the black experiences that black people go through in other countries, but 
I'm I'm still black. But yeah, I I got that a lot. Like you act so white, you're white or white. I thought it was hilarious. And did they say that before they knew that you are from Greece or they just after after they found out. Yeah, and I guess it has to do like maybe with the way I spoke, my opinion on things. Um that's why they they thought that which is so offensive to them more than anything yeah i've never understood that when people say that kind of thing when say someone hears me speak it's less so now it's more when i was younger i think society is a bit more evolved now and people get that there's not one type of black person there's like you know you can be however you want to be but people would say that like oh the way you speak you think you're white i'm like because i'm not speaking slang or i'm speaking properly or like you realize that's insulting to yourself right and i didn't seem to understand that which is crazy to me but i'm happy it happens less so now but definitely like i've only been to nigeria once i was there for two weeks so amina you're like proper nigerian and i'm like a fake nigerian okay <laughs> it's been 10 years ago though so Maybe I'm still also like fake now, but <laughs> I have to go back again and refresh my experience. <laughs> let's go together. <laughs> let's let's all let's go. go. So yeah, Siberia, Nigeria. Siberia and Nigeria. <laughs> Perfect. Rhyming places. <laughs> Siberia. <laughs> it's gonna catch on. Or Nigeria. Nigeria is better. Definitely uh, Liberia. <laughs> I like Liberia. Wait, Liberia? N- no, Liberia. Liberia. <laughs> no, you know, like Nollywood. Liberia. Right. right. <laughs> oh, I was like, Liberia is a whole different country. I don't know stuff like that. To me, Africa is just one place. Africa is one country. This one town. We all know each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Lola, were you gonna say something before we started making travel plans? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was gonna say that I found what I found interesting in being Nigeria, maybe just the people I met, but for them to be Nigerian is if you've been born and raised there. If you've gone up in Nigeria, regardless of where your parents are from, they consider you like Nigerian, properly Nigerian. And for me, like and my sisters, we grew up in London and we went there and we were Oyinbo, we were like foreign white children to them, in their opinion. And then I remember going to a supermarket and there's a woman who was, I think she was white. She was kind of tan, but she's like a white woman. And to everyone, she was Nigerian. Like no one batted an eyelid at her. It was cool. She was fine. Whereas when me and my sisters came through, everyone stared at us as if we had like green spots or something. And I just thought that was a really interesting understanding of identity in that context anyway, because for them, it was, if you're raised here, you're from here. Whereas I think in the UK, possibly in Greece and in Russia as well, even if you're raised there, if your skin doesn't match what they believe being Greek is, being English is, being Russian is, you're kind of just not Greek, English or Russian. Mm. Yeah. I remember while being in Nigeria, I remember being called yellow Ah, and China. Yeah, I guess yes. On the market, someone in I think in Lagos. 
that's hilarious. Just China. <laughs> um, yeah, there there are lots of uh, Chinese people everywhere in Africa. So I guess they 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 might have saw something in in my face facial features. So so yeah, they would. Uh, it's interesting because some sometimes people they are like, your mom is like white I'm like no my mom is Asian like it's also different so sometimes they wouldn't believe yeah that happened in my school actually oh another thing I have to remember it um, I studied at People's Friendship University of Russia where like uh, there are lots of lots of lots of African students and students from actually all over the world and some of them when I, whenever I went to make hair or just anyone they were like Her mom is like Russian, and it's hard to explain. Like, yeah, she's from Russia, but she's Asian, so like she's different. But yeah, they were surprised. And uh, again, uh, maybe I was too. Ah, another thing, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I was maybe too too black. And what I've noticed in Africa, people they they dying to be like white. They have all this bleach, and it's like being white is a good thing. While here, like, yeah, everyone wants to be tanned, but. There, um, yeah, people, they bleach their skin with the chemical that is super, like, bad and or maybe even dangerous. Mm. And it it's like they have an idea of more pale you are. The, the more beautiful you are, yeah. Yeah, it, it is beautiful, I guess. But even in States, some of the like, uh, celebrities, they, they bleach. Yeah, like, not really, really, but, like, they become more... No, like pale or white so it is interesting while here everyone wants to be tanned and uh, tanned is uh, considered a, a good thing while in Africa um, it's different yeah maybe they thought oh poor poor I mean like your dad's genes are so strong <laughs> it is <laughs> but actually like I have an, like one of my friend who is also mixed She's more pale than me, and she was like, wow, like, I love your skin tone, because she, during summer, she also wants to get tanned to be a little bit darker. So it is very interesting and different. What about you, Grace? Do you, do you want to get paler? Do you want to get more tanned? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about your struggle. My struggle is being pale. Grace could get melanin shots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that time that a guy in Turkey called me a white chicken. <laughs> like Richard Dolezal. <laughs> no. She didn't oh, get no. melanin shots, although I'm surprised she didn't. You know you know who got melanin shots? That um that German woman. That German woman. <laughs> How is that even a thing? I'm sure Rachel Dolezal read, read that though and she was like shit. All this time I've been wasting my time in salons and I could have just been injecting it. No, like I try not to like judge even that woman and Rachel Dolezal and and people who bleach their skin. Like obviously it's it's dangerous, but I try not to judge people because what's the difference between like doing that, like bleaching your skin and becoming darker, with like having like a nose job or boobs or butt, you know? If you're not, if you don't like what you see in the mirror, like you have all the right to change it. That's something I, I realized lately because usually we, cr we criticize a lot of black people criticize black women that bleach, right? 
um, and we criticized, we criticized Rachel Dolezal. I think what Rachel Dolezal did was a different issue because she actually pretended to be black and said that I am black. But people who bleach their skin and wanna become darker with melanin shots and I, I don't see a problem with it other than it's dangerous for them. That's all. I'm sorry for digressing. No, you're not digressing now because obviously like no, it's yeah, like but what's the, the root of this? That's what we're talking about, isn't it? What's the root behind why people? I mean, why they do it? Yeah. But I know I used to be very judgmental for like black women and black people in general because I think it's very common in West Africa as opposed to East Africa. Uh, people who bleach their skin and at least like they hate themselves. They hate the fact that they're black. Whatever, self hate. But you know what? there's no difference with that as like doing a pop job in my eyes i might be wrong i don't know i think when it comes to skin bleaching my thing is like i'm not judgmental of it i'm not gonna be like shout someone down if they do that but for me anyway it is kind of sad for someone who doesn't think that their skin is beautiful like if someone has plastic surgery i'm never gonna be like berate them or judge them but obviously it's always it's someone's choice whatever you do with your body but it's always great if you can learn to love yourself like it's very difficult but it's always good if you can kind of take that and understand that society can't tell you what's beautiful and what's not beautiful and ultimately you are beautiful whatever you look like but specifically when it comes to skin I think the reason that it is so sensitive and it is so for me anyway it is so sad is because for centuries you people have been taught that the darker your skin is the less beautiful it is and it is inherently like a racial and a prejudiced thing so oftentimes when people do that i do think it's subconsciously because of that and that's why they do it which makes it sad i'm never going to shout someone down for bleaching their skin but i would hope that instead of doing that they would take the time to see that your skin is beautiful no matter how dark it is or how fair it is or whatever it looks like um in terms of the difference between countries where you know in european countries people want to get tanned in african countries and asian countries people want to be lighter i think it's a social and a class thing Mm. because in european countries if you're tanned it means you, ha- you can afford to travel which is why these days tan skin is seen as attractive whereas like in olden times it was better to be paler because it meant you didn't have to work outside and you had more money so I think all of these things come back to understanding perceptions of class and of social hierarchy similarly in African and Asian countries if you work outside if it means you're poorer and you have darker skin if you're fairer it means you, you're inside more so I think Although people might not understand or realize these things, we're often taught that things are more attractive, less attractive based on how society ranks people. Mm. Which is why for me, these kind of things are a bit sad and I want people to be able to look at themselves and love themselves regardless. Obviously, I'm never going to tell anyone what to do, but I find it very difficult just to be like, whatever, do what it, like, it's whatever. Like, I, I don't know. I, I find it hard to say that myself. Do you... Lola, uh-huh. feel the same way then about obviously what you said about skin tone and skin bleaching and skin tanning. Like you said, it's all rooted in either uh, racist ideals or like classist ideals. Right. Do you, do you feel the same way then about things like 
boob jobs and because obviously like recently the whole saggy saggy boobs matter thing was trending right yeah um with what's her name the girl that um chidera well slum flower the slum flower yeah the slum flower she's dope i love her She's amazing. But all these things, and they're kind of rooted in sexist ideals, essentially. Like, because I mean, a lot of women would, I think we would deny the fact that we want to change things about ourselves for men. But even if we're not conscious of it or we, we feel like in ourselves, we're doing it for ourselves. Ultimately, the reason we feel like we need boob jobs, we need butt implants or whatever, or why this, why the slum flower, Chidera felt like once at a point of time she did feel like she needed a boob job I suppose these are all rooted in their own sexist structures that we're part of right so do you feel like they're is that also something that you would want to challenge and and criticise yeah for sure I think she I watched part of her interview and you posted it on um, Instagram and she made a really good point in that, like, she's not judging anyone who chooses to have surgery. However, I, it is much easier to have surgery than it is to deal with why you feel this way about your body. And you're totally right. They do come from societal pressures quite often, because if you look at um, plastic surgery, they do go in trends. So in the 90s, it was all about like a specific type of boob job. Now it's like butt implants. It's trend, you know, specific types of nose jobs. It's trends. So it's not necessarily that people's like one off, like actually I just feel like doing this. It is very much impacted by the images we see on TV, which are quite often put there by men. And it is underline it. It is sexist doesn't mean like if you have any kind of surgery you hate yourself or you're purely trying to please men like I'm not saying that however I do think it's always good to kind of take the moment to think about why exactly you want to do this and to maybe choose the more difficult path of learning to accept certain features that you have or may not have and learning to embrace those instead of choosing the easier option of having surgery like for myself personally I remember when I was much younger like forever I wanted a nose job and I've probably never told you this but I did for a long time I did and I remember I forgot I think I might have said it out loud one time and my dad heard me and my dad isn't like the most the softest man ever but I remember him being really upset hearing me say that and he was just like don't let anyone ever tell your nose isn't beautiful your nose is beautiful like he was just I was like shocked as well as a kid but like why is he so upset by this and as I grew up I thought about it and I understood that because noses to certain kind of ethnic groups are very specific so black people tend to have quite often like West African people we kind of flatter noses they're wider and me not liking my nose was because I was seeing like a specific type of nose and thinking that was beautiful which meant mine could never be beautiful and I kind of grew up and then after a while like now like it's not something that even bothers or affects me like I my face is my face I like my face but if I hadn't taken the time to think about why that was so upsetting to my dad I would never have understood that the reason why I wanted to had wanted to do that it wasn't purely because I wanted a new nose it was because I understood mine to be 
unattractive because that's what society had taught me I, I agree with your general like point about like loving yourself and accepting yourself and before you make life changing decisions like surgery you should think about it uh, but in general I feel like there's nothing wrong with like it's also a way of dealing with something I'm, I'm all for like if you this is something you don't like about yourself whether it be your personality your friends your body you should change it and that's also empowering I feel like the, if you look at your boobs for like 10 years and you're still not happy because they don't make you feel sexy because you want to feel sexy or you think they're too big and they feel uncomfortable okay that's different because that's also a health issue but the fact that I, th- I find like for some reason surgery to be very like empowering for women people who, who do that like you should be able to do to do it does it yes I understand there's a lot of underlying issues and reasons why we do the things we do and a lot of them have to do with racism classism sexism but some it's not always the case and um, what do you think Amina because obviously Russia and women you see a lot of lip jobs and I know people about our age who are getting stuff done to their faces that we wouldn't really start doing probably in the UK until for another 10 years or so. Plastic surgery here is totally normal. What do you think about that, that culture? Um, it uh, comes from social media, I guess. There are a lot of more, lot, lot of more feminists uh, in, in the West world than yeah. here. And st- here, like, uh, why is it, why they do it? Uh, because uh, obviously they want okay maybe they want to feel it will make them feel more comfortable or confident but maybe as well to be more attractive to their man and for some Mm. women it's considered being um and I think some men love it, you know, when yeah. they like, they walk so proudly with uh, their <laughs> women, who is like her hair is uh, also like you know naroshine. Uh, like everything's like been done for when you have extensions. Yes, extensions yeah. and like lip job and you know tatouage like the, the eyebrow eyebrow tinting. Yeah, as well, yeah. and um, I don't know the the. Booty. But, but job, but job. <laughs> I don't know whether it's uh, in a gym or or. Oh no, you can tell. You can definitely tell. I saw a woman whose butt implant flipped. It was gross. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, here. Um, so you're saying it's not that common, not that uh, yeah, in the US or in the UK. <clears throat> it's not that it's not. I'd say it's just not as common. Like here. If I'm on the metro, I could probably count like five women who have had lip jobs. Mm-hmm. And look, I'm not. I've actually, for full Maybe disclosure, you can't have a, a full, fuller lips. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> In general, <laughs> no. you can tell though, because like their lips just don't. They look a little bit. They just look like they've been pricked by something, you know? Like they yeah, and yeah. they can't move yeah, them can properly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like I also heard sorry for interrupting. Or you told me what they don't. Sometimes they who don't. who told us this that they don't crack? I can't remember who it was. What is crack? Ah, no, I I think they don't. Are crack, you but told yeah, me that? that 
you they don't feel sometimes. I really. Someone told me that. Yeah, but I'm not sure whether it's true. Kissing. Yes, exactly <laughs> that that thing. Like someone <laughs> was kissing, and her boyfriend asked, "Like you're kissing? Like do you feel anything at all?" <laughs> like really? I don't remember. Like oh I guess God, my friend. So yes, yes. If, if it is true. Why would no, you that, sacrifice kissing so you could have? I think there a lip might job. be different, like more expensive. Maybe you would. Right, like, you but know? that's the thing that it's cheap here. Here's I think cheap, that's affordable. why you notice it as well, and that's why more people do it because it's cheaper, mm-hmm. it's more accessible, but not necessarily as good. And I just, I think you completely hit the nail on the head when you said that it's about women wanting to please their men. Because that's a thing here, much more... Don't get me wrong, it definitely exists in the UK. Um, no, no, I It's understand. like, sexism is, like, heightened yes, here. Yes, yes. And, like, obviously, for people, anyone that's been to Russia, you, you know that it amongst women, there is still this real sense of competition for, like, getting your man. And it's it's really sad, but there is this idea of you as a woman, you're fulfilling your duty once you've got married and had kids. It doesn't matter if you end up divorced, that's fine. You've still fulfilled your duty. And that's prevalent, like... I have so many Russian female friends that told me that, you know, it's been a source of actual stress for them and feeling of failure, feeling of not fulfilling your your duty in life because they've not had a long-term relationship or a marriage or had children. So, like, yeah, I suppose in a way we kind of laugh at this whole plastic surgery culture, but for women here it's you can understand why they do it and like if you like the sex properly sells in Russia it is totally normal to have a woman in a tight short dress with her boobs out advertising a mortgage for a bank oh yeah yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and I'm thinking but for real like I will take some photos when I'm on the metro this week and I'll put them on our social media like the number of times I see stuff and I'm like I don't get the connection how is her sex selling you a mortgage but that's standard here isn't it I I yes and I would say <clears throat> not only here sometimes um, like Instagram yeah you know sometimes what like just post something or even uh, on the Facebook sometimes like my friend would post something like very important maybe I'm looking for a new house or a new home <gasps> but yeah, yeah they would say the picture for like to bring in attention yes. you know to, sometimes it's and a, they pose sometimes it's, it, it can be puppies or kitties but as well. oftentimes it's yes. when it's women like they yes. properly yeah. they properly dress up that is true because when I was looking for flats I remember scrolling through these page, like pages on Facebook and I'm like why are all these women like sexually posing and then saying that they want to rent a room <laughs> oh yeah no I was talking about another thing you know, just, what do you mean but yeah that also yeah it is true it happens uh, just I don't know just a guy maybe you know he would post just a photo of or I don't know favorite model or attractive woman but sometimes yeah For, to advertise what just uh, not advertise but just to people to look at it you know to if you just write a post Yes, yes, yes. I, it happened here a lot of times with, with me, like with uh, I've seen it a lot on really? social media. Yeah, yeah, and it's a normal thing. No one, even I didn't think it was sexist. You know, still, yeah, <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. So you're saying that like I could write a post like 
I'm leaving Russia and I want to get I want to get attention. No, not that. And then I yeah. prefer a sexy woman. <laughs> no, yeah, no, not exactly. It would be like in a in a, how would I say like a, a fun way, just like a joke. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you understand, like a joke. But uh, still, it would. Uh, I'm gonna do this. Yeah, I'm gonna post and a photo of a sexy lady when I leave Russia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out, bitches. And what else? So yeah, even on. Uh, Instagram, all these uh, bloggers, Instagram bloggers, sometimes they would write an irrelevant post. Like, not irrelevant, they would post their beautiful face or, I don't know, boobs or, like, uh, the body, the whole body, and just uh, write something. Maybe even... Like a Bible scripture. No, I do (laughs) that. I hate that. I hate that. But, yeah, but even uh, if not, but just something. And, like, your uh, picture, it's, like, super irrelevant. Like, why would you? So, yeah, what I wanted to say, it's not only in Russia, but maybe here... So yeah, it's a Bigger. global thing. Yeah, but here, yeah, you would see it on the streets and everywhere. So yeah, yeah, to bring to bring attention. I think the difference is that in Moscow they'll admit it. So when it comes to like doing stuff for men, they'll be like, "Yeah, I'm doing it for men." Whereas like here, like you'd know it, they'd know it, they just never say it out loud because no one wants to admit that's what they're doing it for. Mm, yeah, here is still okay. True. I mean. It, there's no shame in it here. No. At all. In, ger- in general, no, of course, for like some... But yeah, someone who maybe have lived abroad or considered a family. Yeah, but not for everyone. But yeah, in general, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it is okay. But I remember like, actually, this is a good point that people are very aware of it. Because when I went to this feminist training a couple of weeks ago, it was organized by an LGBT organization. So the women there were all like, some level of queer basically and we were talking about sexist advertising and there was one woman who she's lesbian and she was like I don't have a problem with sexist advertising because I like seeing women's bodies I think the women's form is beautiful and that was really interesting to me because it's kind of like like you say people are very open about the fact that they're okay to sell sex in this country and they don't see a problem with it and that was in like an LGBT organized feminist training that that was being said you wouldn't hear that in the UK and maybe like you say Lola people are thinking it but they just don't want to say it because they know they're not supposed to say it but maybe here since it has just started not long ago the Mm. feminist movement they don't see the connection between like why is it bad Mm. exactly like because this and like uh, like men would feel like dumb like you know they don't think that deep that's why they don't understand the the roots or how would I say like yeah even like I, I remember when you explained something and I was like oh because Sometimes it's like you need to dig, mm. and when uh, and when you're it's something new in your country, and you you're not uh, educated enough about this subject, and you just don't see the connection. Yeah, you don't make the connection. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So yeah, uh, if you would have explained, maybe she would. Yeah, you know, like you need. Yeah, yeah. And she would understand, and then the next time she would, because that would happen with me. Like you said something, and then I was. Oh, so. someone did explain to her. I, my Russian was not good enough. I was just uh, kind of sitting there, like, "What? <laughs> How can you say that?" Okay, good, good, good. Yeah. But that was all in my head. <laughs> Hopefully, she understood it and uh, 
yeah. realised. That, that, that whole day, though, for me, was like listening to things that people were saying and really wanting to respond, but not being able oh. to. It was a great exercise in listening, though. Anyway, this has been really interesting. It has. I'm so glad that we got the chance to do this five days before our... I leave. Yeah, no, actually, like, there are lots of things that I want to say about hair and braids as well, like, here and... Uh... Thank you for saving me, Amina, when I was living in Russia, because I was looking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> crazy. My braids are on the back of my neck. They were just growing all the way back. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're very welcome. Anytime. Anyway, so guys, feel free to uh, send us any comments or questions that you have for Amina. And I'm sure she'll be happy to get involved. Yep. As usual, you can get us on Instagram and Facebook at This Is No Shade. So let us know your thoughts and feelings on this episode. Definitely. And let us know about where you're from and what race is like and feminine is like that because we're always very curious. Well, Amina, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for inviting me. (laughs) I had so much fun. All right, guys, let's get to our dinner. We're going to for a fancy Russian dinner now. See ya. Enjoy your deal. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, darling. I already felt that. Bye. 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 Bye.